On this episode of Miked Up Pod, I brought in a professional magician and consultant for the stars, Mr. Tony Clark. Tony got into magic at the age of six. He had his first job when he was nine. He talked about the time he was performing in bodybuilding competitions to then getting hooked on steroids. But soon enough, he met, thankfully, his childhood role model, Slidini. Soon to find out, Slidini saved his life. So much that he performed at the Magic Castle at the age of 20. Tony also touched on some tips and tools on how to control some of his anxiety. Here it is. I got my guy, Tony Clark, in studio, professional magician and consultant. Tony, what's up, man? How are you? Good to see you, Mike. Thank you so much for coming in. It really pleasure. means a lot. Hey, my pleasure. You've got a great story. Talk about stories. You have your own book, Insider Secrets, Mastering Craft, Show, and, and Business of Magic. Yes. I kind of got through it a little bit. I'm yeah. going to finish it, I promise. Okay. <laughs> uh, prior to the show, I told you about the book that I was reading. You're like, ah, don't even waste your time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's, it's very heavy magic you know, uh, verbiage, you know, and, 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 and language. So it's hard sometimes for people to grasp it if they're not in the world of magic. But you know what, how I see that, I see that a little bit differently because I think we're all performers, mm-hmm. right? We're performing every day. True. Whatever, whatever we're doing, right? Every day. So I think that helps an everyday life in terms of performing every day. Right? I think so. Your I think occupation. Yeah, I think working any job, you have to have uh, things in things you have to show up and do right and uh, get better, improve and, yeah. and and work with people. It's 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 very similar to regular life. No doubt. Tony Clark and your last name wasn't Clark when you were born. <laughs> my real last name is my real name is Antonio Goublet, French, but we're Italian. That's why I was always confusing as a kid. Yeah. I grew up very confused about my name <laughs> all my life. And not, and, and to top it off, every teacher had their own pronunciation for Goublet. How do you, you spell that? It's G-U-B-L-E-T. Okay. So, so almost re- like Buble, but yes, Goublet. Yes. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah. most people say Goublet. Sure. Goublet. Sure. In Italy, it's called Goublet. But I don't know why it's a French name. My parents are all Italian. I mean, both sides of my family are Italian. They were born there. I'm first generation in this country. But yeah, Goublet, Goblet, Goblet, Giblet, Griblet. I heard it all. <laughs> People ask me, how do you pronounce your name? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> That's what I would say as a Figure kid. Out. I really yeah. don't know. Yeah. So, uh, but I picked Clark in 89 to compete in a competition in St. Louis for the Society of American Magicians, a national uh, ch- championship. It was a world-class stage championship. And I just picked the name because I, I love Dick Clark. I idolized him, yeah, and I loved what he did. He did, you know, he was on TV, he was a host, he produced shows. He was, oh, that's what I want to do. So I picked that name for the contest, Tony Clark, just to make it simple. I was representing the United States. Mm-hmm. I ended up winning it, so then I had to keep it, and then I just kept it, and then here I am, thirty something years later. So officially, it's a, it's it's been changed. It's to... not okay. Oh, no, it's it's not okay. been changed legally. Just business name. Okay. So I have a business entity, Tony Clark Productions. It's a nice ring to it too. It's a lot easier. Yeah, and people remember it. And they'll probably pronounce it correctly, too. Yes. Yeah. If they can't pronounce Clark, then... <laughs> we got issues. we got a problem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got introduced by, by my brother. My brother, as uh, some of you know, he's a professional magician. Excellent magician. And, um, Illusionist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, he does a great job. And my brother's like, listen, I got this friend, Tony Clark. <laughs> he's an amazing person. He's got a great story. I think you should have him on. And he's like, and he's got a book. I was like, give me the book and let's book him, man. Get this guy in here. So That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Your first job. What was it? My first job was uh, cleaning bathrooms and counters at a variety store at the corner of my block as a kid. I lived in a, in a kind of a 
not a rough neighborhood, not a great neighborhood in Stanford, Connecticut. And it was a variety store that I used to go buy candy. And uh, the, the counters were always dusty and dirty. And I said, hey, I, I'll do that. You know, I'll, I'll dust your counter. Because I always try to make money, you know. Sure. My dad worked very hard. I never asked him for money because he worked three jobs. And I said, uh, and then I said, okay, how much are you going to give me? Oh, I'll give you a dollar. I said, okay. But it was a good deal for them because I spent it on candy anyway. So <laughs> I, they're getting it right back. I, I worked for nothing. <laughs> but that was my first job. Then I worked at a hardware store. How after old that. were you at the time? I was uh, nine. Okay. Nice. Nine years old, yeah. Nice. So I started young. Always, nice. I always saw opportunities like that as yeah. a kid yeah. around my neighborhood. We had a lot of stores. I worked all over my neighborhood, everywhere Love you it. go. And that's a summer. those are all summer jobs, yes. I'm assuming? Yes. Yeah. Like, so then, then a hardware store? Yep, hardware store after that was right around the corner from that. I learned how to mix paint. I learned a little bit of glass and, and screening, and then I went a little further around the corner to Franklin Glass Company, and I learned how to cut glass there and mirrors, and as a kid, I was doing all this cool stuff, yeah. and I still clean the bathrooms and uh, toilets and, and, yeah. and, and vacuum, but I, they taught me the trade. So as I got older, out of high school, I worked there for a little bit before I moved to Los Angeles, and uh, I learned a lot of good building skills in that uh, in that Franklin Glass Company. What brought you to the West West Coast? West Coast, well... After I won the contest in 89, I was booked for the Magic Castle, and I came out in September of 89. And I was like, oh, my God, look at this place. Yeah. The weather was great. Hollywood, Magic Castle, uh, all these beautiful people. You know, I was single, you know, 21. I'm like, what am I doing in Connecticut? Telling you. Eight months later, I moved out. Yeah. Let's see. You said you won a contest? Yes. The um, Magic? Yes. Yeah, so it was a national co co competition, mm -hmm. the Society of American Magicians. They do a giant co uh, competition every year, and then people from all over the world compete in it, and I, and I was in St. Louis, and I won first place. There. How, how many people were you competing against? Uh, that uh, year, magicians. in that category for stage, we had, I think, 14 or 15. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Now, is that how you got recognized for you to perform at the Magic Castle? Yes. By luck... The entertainment director was on the show the next night, which I performed at as a winner of the contest. They put you on a professional show, they call it, at the theater. And uh, he was the, the MC for the show. So he saw me, so I didn't have to ever audition. He saw my show. Beautiful. Good timing. And you were 21 or 20 when you were uh, at the Magic Castle? I was 20, just turned 21. No, I'm sorry, back that up, 20 years old. I was 20 years old when I worked. When I moved back out, I was 21. Eight months later, when I moved back to Los Angeles. Now, your folks were in uh, Connecticut? They live time? in – my parents were in Stanford, Connecticut. My two brothers there, Ed and Frank, and uh, they're still there. My mom passed, but my father's still there. My brothers are there. So, yeah, they're still there. So when you told them you're moving to L.A., or even <laughs> you got this gig at the Magic Castle, what yeah. was that like? Mind-blowing, because I only knew about the Magic Castle through magazines. I would yeah. watch – look in the, the Genie magazine. They have a magazine, a membership magazine. I would look at it. Oh, my God, this is a cool place. Yeah, wow, I heard about it. It's a big and, deal, man. And at 20 years old. Oh, my God, it was huge. I was so – so here's what happened. I was so nervous about working there. I had three months to prepare for it. Okay, so it was July, August, September, end of September. So like two and a half months. Mm -hmm. So I rehearsed in my basement of my house with these pipes overhanging covered with asbestos-covered pipes. <laughs> but I would visualize myself at the Magic Castle. And I would look at the pictures, and I would, okay, I just imagine myself. But I, was, I had to get over that nervousness. I was so like, oh, my God, sure. I can't believe I'll go to the Magic Castle. My head exploded, yeah. you know. So I rehearse, 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 rehearse. When I got there, it felt like I was there already. I was very calm and relaxed, and nice. I had the best shows I probably ever did in my life probably that week. Prepared. Yeah. Well, Mental preparation. John Visualization. Wo John Wooden says failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Yes. Right? Yes. And... That's exactly it. You made sure. Yeah, I wanted to, because for me, 
performing is physical too and yeah. mental combined. Yeah. And and the thing that holds you back is the physical part sometimes because you, you your body has to do it. So I did it so many times with that mindset in my head that I'm at the Magic Castle. Like I said, I went there. It was a I felt like I was zero ready. It was very strange. I remember walking on. Awesome. This is so weird. I feel like I've been here before. I've performed here several yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, a lot, yeah. by hundreds of times. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so it was that was cool. And you know, I was heavily into visualization back then. I was a big, you know, Tony Robbins, uh, 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 you know, uh, Napoleon Hill, and uh, all great, you know, motivation and visualization techniques I would use all the time to visualize myself doing stuff. And I learned that when I was lifting back in the day too. We'd visualize our lifts. Mm-hmm. You know, my trainer would teach me how to visualize yourself lifting the weight first and then doing it. And it makes the body and mind connect, so it really puts you in the right plane of doing it the, the best you can at that point. Yeah, I believe in that. That That is, I think, the way to – I think if you're performing, I think that's the way to do it. Because like you said, you're kind of psyching your own self out mm-hmm. in a positive way, right? In a yes. good way. And it's a, it's it's. I think it's good positive energy too. Uh, definitely. Right? I mean, it builds you up. You know, it's – you could do it the, the, the negative way too, and then you could build just you know break yourself down. But if you could, because yep. you could visualize in your mind something vividly enough, your mind it's been proven that your body doesn't realize if you done if you did it physically or not. If you really visualize it, like sure. if you really do it, like I would do it uh, on the plane. I would visualize my act if I had a gig overseas. I would I would rehearse my act because I wouldn't have time to rehearse it, but I would rehearse it in my mind. Right. But the good thing about that is you could per- uh, rehearse it perfectly. Because you have control. Sure. You're doing it in your mind. So I do it in my mind and I, the timing in my mind and it would just work. And then I get to the show and I do it and it's boom. Yeah. You know, that's it. We're going to get back to that. Yeah. But prior to that, I want to talk about the bodybuilding competition that you were in. Yes. Now, was this the same time you were performing magic? Well, yes, to a point. I was bodybuilding first as a teenager, which was a little more healthy. I wasn't as big. I was about one when I competed. I think it was one seventy-five. Okay. How, what 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 uh, fat percentage? Oh, uh, back then I think it probably was. I wasn't really really that that lean because I wasn't taking any diuretics. I think I probably had six or seven percent okay. body fat. Yeah. But it could be it could have been less. Okay. If I was if it was less, I'd probably be, it would have done better. Now teens are saying like fourteen, fifteen, no, thirteen. No, I was that was uh that was eighteen. Eighteen. Okay. Yeah, it was okay. Connecticut State. A bodybuilding championship okay in Wallingford Connecticut uh, I never forget it. it was a beautiful little theater and uh, but that's why I started but what happened was I came in fourth I thought I should have been at least second or third but then I found out the judges were from the same gym that the, the guys that won so it's very political yeah so I was like oh this sucks and I was really upset at the gym and this guy uh, Billy Romanello big powerlifting dude he goes what happened at the contest I, said, ah, I came in fourth he goes oh forget about those guys it's all bullshit you uh-huh. know it's like Go lift weights. If you lift it, they can't say you didn't lift it. And I go, oh, that made a lot of sense to me. Sure. I said, yeah, you you, you want to squat 500? If you do it, you do it. Nobody's going to say you didn't do it. It's not about if you like it or not. My brain was like, oh, I, I like that. I latched on to that. I started training with his power team. So I got the powerlifting. Powerlifting is a whole different sport. Mm. It's all about strength and weight. doesn't matter what you look like. So I got up to 225 pounds in body weight. Um, and I did take... Uh, synthetic uh, hormones, mm-hmm. steroids. Mm-hmm. At first I didn't, and then slowly I just did it. You know, it's weird. You get into it, and you think, oh, it's okay. You try a little bit here. You try some here before you know you're into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it worked good for me because my height, I'm only five six and a half, five seven. So for powerlifting, you know, squatting, deadlift, and bench press, it's all you do. 
it worked for me. You know, it was working, and it it, it was you know I liked the camaraderie. I liked the team. We had it was fun going out with these guys. I was 225. I was the smallest guy. You know, the big guy was 350. So we walk into a club. We go out at night sometimes together, six or seven of us, <laughs> and it was like partying the waters. You know, like who is these like <laughs> these meatheads walking? Yeah, here. what is happening? You know, and we like that. You yeah. know, nobody ever messes us. Joe, uh, I forget his Joe, Joe Morelli from uh, New York. My God, he was 275, but he had the biggest neck you'd ever see mm. in your life. And he was the sweetest guy in the world, but he looked like a kill, and he could kill you. Right. But I don't know. I, I like that for some reason. Yeah. The, the brotherly camaraderie, the the, the brotherhood. Um, and then I got away from magic a little bit, uh, and I felt yeah, kind of weird about it. But I couldn't do both. I was so big, I couldn't fit into my costumes and my jackets and. I was wearing kimonos and, you know, like Japanese kimonos for like kids' birthdays because I had to wear something. <laughs> my jacket wouldn't fit around my body, you know. And the presentation isn't much, right? I mean, as a magician, you have to kind of be slim, slender, right? So your presentation, we, being uh, like this big bodybuilding guy, doesn't is a little match. different, right? It yeah. doesn't match. The, yeah. the, I remember walking in sometimes and people look at me like, what the, you know, it's like, there's this guy, a bouncer? Or <laughs> is he the stripper? Is right. he the stripper? Or right, right. The right. So it didn't, had a mixed <laughs> message. Yeah, it was yeah, weird. Yeah. Sure. So it wasn't, it wasn't really right. healthy and um, I was feeling like, uh, my mom even said, oh, well, what happened to magic? They had no idea I was doing drugs, steroids. I did it secretly, obviously. Um, and uh, my mom one day said, oh, you know, what happened? You're not doing magic so much. I said, oh, no, I'm going to do it. Don't worry, mom. Then I went, ended up going to a convention in New York City, and I met a, my mentor there, Slidini, my first mentor, and a uh, very famous magician out of uh, New York, close-up magician, was on Dick Cavett many times, sleight-of-hand expert sitting down at a table, crazy, blow your mind. And I just met him by chance, and we started talking, and I asked him if he just gave lessons. I don't know, he just compelled me to ask him, and I started studying with him a couple of weeks later. I had to go to New York City once a week. You're downplaying Slidini, though, a little bit. Well, Slidini was, I mean, when we were talking pre-show, Slidini was kind of a big deal back in the day. No, yeah, yeah, he, right? he still is, a legend, and, yeah. And it, and it was like uh, it was like a beehive following him where he was going yes. at this convention. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the chances of you going to this convention were slim, but they you were. figured to yourself, ah, why not let me go? Yes. And you saw this group of people walking. Yeah. Who the hell is this guy? It is weird. Because I knew him, and I'd never met him before. And I didn't know about his books. I didn't know about his magic specifically. But I saw him one time on TV doing a paper ball thing, really beautiful. And I, I gravitated to him for some reason. 1,500 people in this giant hotel in up Catskills in New York. And it was just weird that I, I was drawn to him. And I just felt like taking lessons from him. Mm. I'm, I'm almost glad I didn't know the magnitude of his celebrity. Otherwise, I may have not approached him. Yeah, he would have been but then I heard he was Italian. Oh, I'm Italian. So I kind of felt comfortable. And, connection. And I tried to connect with him. And he messed with me a little bit. You know, So it was good. How old was he at the time? Wow, back then, uh, let's see, so that was, he was probably 85, 84. Okay. Yeah. And you were 20? Uh, I was like 20-ish, 19, 20, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Young. Okay, so so now you're in a point of your life where you were, you started magic, what, six years old? Six. Yeah, so six to 18, let's say, you're going strong. Yes. Doing magic. Mm-hmm. And then you you hit your peak at that time at 18 because you're at the Magic Castle at 18? Uh, no, I went, uh, this is... <clears throat> oh, that's right. That happened. Yeah. That's right. All Slightly this happened all. after that. That's right. Yeah. That, that's yeah. right. I mean, I always wanted to. That was a goal, of course. Yeah. But then I got the powerlifting and, and stuff, and I was like, eh, I kind of went on the sideline a little bit. Yeah. You know. That's right. And then when Slidini got me back into magic, and he didn't know what he was doing. He just was doing his thing. But I was so, uh, like, I think it was, I, I knew it was saving me. 
because I knew I was it was not a healthy road I was going down. And I loved magic since I was a kid, so I felt like I was missing it. And the health part, friends of mine were not feeling well in the gym, you know, uh, medical issues with the drug side effects. And I'm like, oh, my God. So, you know, so when I saw him, I'm like, oh, my God, this is my way back into what I was supposed to be doing, my magic career. So I got back into it, and he would teach me at his home in New York, this apartment, really cool retro apartment. And it was like, go, like a, it was like a amazing experience and I would I went home and I built a replica table just like the one we would rehearse on so I would get home from the train probably 10 o'clock at night from New York into Connecticut I would go home and rehearse till maybe 2 or 3 in the morning because I was so afraid of forgetting what he taught me and I had my replica table there and I would do the coin tricks the silk tricks the cigarette tricks all the stuff that he taught me I would do it until I felt okay I got it I won't forget it and then I would rehearse rehearse and he he saw that he goes wow you're one of and he was a man of very few words. Mm-hmm. He was really like a guru. He didn't talk much. Uh, he says, "I see." Uh, he says, "You're you learn fast. You're one of my better students that I've ever had." I said, "Wow, that's cool." Um, and then we go more and more and more. And he goes, uh, he says to me, "Someday," he says, "You got to work at the Magic Castle." Mm. <laughs> I said, and I was like, "Whoa!" Is he like blowing steam? I, I know he didn't because he didn't he didn't bull at all yeah he's very straight yeah he's not like kind of guy like that he didn't talk up thing if he didn't like you he he just ignored you and i said oh thank you and he goes but you're 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 you have a nice face you're a good looking boy but you're too big Mm -hmm. because he was probably 90 pounds tiny guy five four just a little guy but like a wizard he looked like a older guy and i waited i paused and i said it hit me like a ton of bricks like he believes in me Mm -hmm. and i'm screwing it up because I'm doing drugs and I'm getting ready for a contest. I, I didn't tell him this. But I was ready to go to a national competition like f- five months down the road. So I had to start a cycle of steroids again. I had them all at my house. And I go, oh, my God, I can't look at this. This is a, this is a legend. is believing in me. What? A, I felt like crap. I felt like tiny. I'm like, thank you, Slightini. I said, no, I'm going to work on that. I'm going to work on that. So I was thinking, that's all I could think about on the, dry, on, the, on the train ride home for an hour. I'm like, oh, my God, how am I going to st- compete? This guy believes in me, this national, this legend, world legend of magic. And I'm going to go home and start taking these drugs mm-hmm. and get bigger. And I just told him I'm not. I said, I can't lie to this guy. So I get home. Did you? Sorry, yes. Tony. Did you tell him that you were taking steroids? No. Okay. I, don't th- I don't think he'd know what it was. Okay. Okay. But you told him your body building competition <sighs> or? I don't ever. You know what, Mike? I don't know if I ever told him directly because I don't. I, I was so excited about the magic. I didn't. We didn't talk about anything else. Okay. It was weird. It was very like you come in. Okay. It was like the Karate Kid. You come yeah. in. You do the stuff. I don't remember. I may have mentioned that I trained, but he wouldn't even know what that was. Well, plus even then, I mean, you were a big guy, so yes. he would have known anyways that you're yeah. training, you're, you're yeah. weightlifting. Yeah. He knew I was big. Yeah. I mean, I mean, imagine against him, I was huge. I was 225, 220 at that point. Mm-hmm. I was huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, my neck, my arms, everything. Mm-hmm. So. I get home from the train. I go downstairs in the middle of the night in my basement where I have my little stash of drugs ready to go. My schedule, everything. This was everything from injectionables to pills. Everything was in this little box. I took the box, took all the stuff out, uh, rolled it up in a newspaper in a ball, taped it, 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 so you couldn't see what's inside, and I threw it in the trash. I was done. I went cold turkey. And I was like, wow. Four months worth of stuff? 
Uh, it was probably three or four months worth. It was okay. probably a thousand dollars back then. Uh, now it's a lot more expensive. Is that a cycle worth? Is that usually a cycle of steroids? Oh, uh, cycle twelve weeks okay. typically. Okay. Yeah, three, typically twelve weeks. Three yeah, okay. three months okay. ish. Yeah. Okay. But I threw it all down the tubes, and I'm like, and I didn't care. I was so like, I almost did it in a frantic like, get this yeah. out of my life, and I, I, I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. It's saving me. Totally. And I threw it in the trash, and that's it. I was done, and I just started getting phone calls hey man you come to the gym like no i'm not feeling good i started making excuses i started just not really even working out i started going with my brother to help him cut grass he had a lawn uh, lawn service so i was just getting exercise and losing weight outside and i love being outside in fresh air and i would use that as my exercise so i started stripping down the weight as i get going and then a year later i started getting back into my bird routine bird act again and doing this close-up magic and then I competed. I met another mentor, Bill Andrews, and he got me to the next level. And then I competed, and I won the contest, and that started my career. So, wow. Yeah. So yeah. this, this, okay. he saved my life. Literally saved my life. So you, you say he saved your life, but you, you literally feel that way because you think you were going down. Well, you were going down the wrong road, you yes. know, in terms of taking steroids. But do you think it was going to kill you soon enough? I think it would have wrecked me pretty bad. Because I am all or nothing kind of person, and unfortunately, if you do the wrong thing, that's bad. So now, as I'm older, I'm not that way uh, to a fault sometimes, but that's okay. I feel better. But um, I think it was a fault of mine of going 110% ahead. But I did I put it towards my magic though. But it worked, and it worked. Mm -hmm. So I went for the competition. I competed. I rehearsed my act three to four or five times a day for five months straight before the competition and it was and i bought a camera back then it was like they weren't around that much the video cameras i bought a recon it was like 800 dollars, very expensive but I, I wanted it because i wanted to watch my rehearsals mm -hmm. so i could critique so i I'd rehearsed down in my basement little basement low ceilings but i rehearsed my act with birds and i would videotape it go watch the video take notes oh my, my shirt was sticking out i gotta fix that boom next oh this thing wasn't working right got stuck fix that boom Constantly doing that for five months. So good, man. And that worked. So good. But I, so I use that same energy. So I, one thing I learned was discipline from lifting, and getting through physical pain, which magic is not that physically painful, uh, but that was a great training ground. That's the only thing I can say I got out of that was that discipline of, of training hard and staying on top of it and making it the best it could be. So when you met Slidini to the time you won the competition, were you was he tutoring you between those times? Were you guys still in uh, communication? I I after that I after I worked with him, he knew I was going to compete, and then he was not getting better. He was then went to a home mm. uh, for diabetes because he refused to take his medication. He died at 90, but he could have lived probably till I think he could have went 95 at least. You know, he was still performing at 88. Still performing in wow. New York City. Yeah. <laughs> and he's a slide, slide of hand kind yeah, of Yeah, man. Right in front right, of you? No gimmicks, all real coins and s cards and cigarettes and handkerchiefs and safety pins and yeah. no gimmicks, yeah. all in his hands. Yeah. Dick Cavett, if you want to see him on Dick Cavett, just, just put Slidini, Dick Cavett, it'll come up on YouTube. You're doing, you're, now your acts are mostly with birds? Back then it was. Okay. That was my act that I traveled around the world with for almost 20 years. What about today? Today, it's a combination of, I think it's a, it's a combination of everything I've done through the years. I do uh, stand-up, you know, some comedy magic. I do audience participation. 
Uh, I do some illusions sometimes for corporate events. So it's a, it's more of a, a blend of most everything I've done. Sometimes I have too much material. I look at my, oh my God, what am I going to do? I got to pick stuff. Like I'm going to do a show in Palm Springs coming up next month. So I need to pick the show, but I have too much. I was talking to John about it. I'm like, oh my God, I think I have an hour and a half of material. All I need is an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, I have more than that, but so, it's you a know, de- decent problem to have. It is. Yeah. Yeah. 30 years of, you know, doing it. Yeah. Hopefully you have some good material. And you are actors. Uh, yes, I do. I teach actors, consult with them on sets. I've done that for many, many, many shows. Uh, it's uh, Nicolas Cage was one. Yeah, Nicolas Cage, uh, Cedric the Entertainer, Tony Shalhoub from Monk, uh, uh, Michael Clark Duncan, God rest his soul, yeah. The Finder. Uh, I can't remember. There, I, I there have to look one. at my site. I have a wall on there. So I have so many people I've What's done What's the it. website? It's com. And you go under consulting, and it'll show you all the oh. people I've worked with through the years. Ted Danson was the Ted Danson was the go. latest yeah. one. I worked on a pilot uh, for NBC as well. Ted nice. Danson for The Good Place. And he was a sweetheart of a guy. I love the old-time guys that have been around. They, yeah. like, they're so nice, and they want to make it work. And he was so like down-to-earth. I was like, I didn't know how, to, you know, how it was going to be. But he was so concerned about making the magic work right. And he is this going to look good? I'm like... Oh my God, this guy's actually nervous about doing this. How weird! Yeah, He's been yeah. on TV for forty freaking years, right? Yeah, Since yeah, Cheers. Yeah. And he was like, T-, I said, and I said, Ted, I said, um, you know what? I always say this, but I'm not not to insult you, but they're only gonna show the one that works, so don't worry about it, right? <laughs> he goes, you know what? That reminds me. I said, what? When I was on, <laughs> when I was on Cheers, I was so nervous about looking like a bartender. I went to bartending school. For three months, only to find out that they'll never see me make a drink on the show ever, and all I was doing was pouring beers and wiping glasses <laughs> out. Right. <laughs> so, think about that. Yeah. It's so true. So I oh made him God. relax, and after that, he kind of relaxed. It's cool. And I uh, came up with some original stuff for him, too. It was kind of cool, because the scripts, the writers usually are not magicians. So they'll write stuff, and they, could that be done? I said, mm. well, that's never been done, but let's try it. Mm-hmm. On the pilot, that happened too. A lot of stuff like they wanted to pull this monkey out of this chalice for this kids thing, and does that exist? I said no, but let's let's make it, and I made it work. How do you get connected with the the actors? Um, it's kind of word of mouth through sometimes prop people I've worked with through the years. Uh, again, I've been doing this for God now. This has been at least close to 15 years consulting, you know. Um, so sometimes it's through prop people. This. NBC thing was from the director that I worked with about a year and a half ago on a, another pilot mm-hmm. that I did with her and had a very small bit of magic in it but she remembered me and she called me up Nice. and it was perfect timing because I just lost a show that I thought I was going to be producing Hollywood story right I was hired to produce a show that I worked on the year before as a consultant and the company ended up going under for Fuse TV so we never did the 8 episode show so I was empty five months of work. I was empty. I was like, oh, my God, this is insane. This, yeah. It's Hollywood, right? It's normal. And then I get a call for NBC. It wasn't five months of work, but it was like five weeks of work. NBC, I had my own office. It was cool. But it was from doing good work then and having good relationships. Otherwise, she would never have called me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had an interview still. They interviewed a lot of people for that show. I remember a lot of people went in. So I heard about that. I was like, oh, my God. At first, I was like, oh, I know Juliet. I'm going to go and talk to her. I'm mm-hmm. not going to do anything. Let's just, just chat with her. And I, I felt like – then I go, oh, did you hear that? What, what's the name went in? Oh, this guy went in. I was like, oh, shoot. This yeah. is gonna be, everybody wants this job. So I pumped it up. I made models of illusions. I made videos at home, all the tricks from the script. And I broke it down, nice. the whole script. I went in. 
I knocked her socks off, man. Sold I did this illusion. Boom. A little girl vanishing in a box. And, and this, oh, yeah, that thing with the floating coin. They said it has to be CGI. I said, no, I got a video of it. I did it in my kitchen. Boom. And I show them, and they're like, bang, I got the job. Nice. So that, again, I learned, boom. Yeah. Right now, I'm working on a project, and I feel like I have that same energy into it for another TV project. So we'll see. Nice. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it that same way. Really put my gut into it. I feel like the magic industry or the community is small, tight too, right? I, I, like there's a random guy that I would see on TV or a random guy that I'd see in a video and I ask my brother, hey, John, do you know someone? Yeah, yeah, I know him. Yeah. Like, dude, how do you know this guy, right? But I guess that's it's how... It's a small world. Yeah, it is, It's right? like, you know, it's, a, it's like a subculture, yeah. like bodybuilding, you know, like uh, uh, Franco Colombo just passed away. Nobody knows who he is unless you're in the bodybuilding world, mm-hmm. but he's a legend in bodybuilding. Right. Slidini, you don't know him unless you're in the magic world. Yeah. So it, it's a small community. Magic is pretty small. Back to the bodybuilding, if yes, I can. Sure. Um, I forgot to ask a question earlier. Mm-hmm. What made you get into it? Was it was it the the health and the fitness aspect of it, or was it looking good, or was it th- a therapeutic thing? What what was it? The competition? I think it was the uh, vanity of it. Looking good for the girls, first of all. Sure. You work out to stay in shape. You look good. And then you go, oh, look at Arnold and, and Lou Ferrigno back in the day on muscle and fitness and competing. And then the, the local gym, there's a guy, oh, this guy's competing. Look at him. And, you know, I've always had weights in my house, though. My brother's always worked out. So I always had weights around, mm-hmm. uh, old dumbbells and stuff. So I was always around it. And being a small guy, I did it just because I felt like, you know, keep me strong and, you know. But just for my own, but I think it was mostly vanity, honest. To be honest, I mean. And know. the steroids thing took place how quickly until when? Until you were. Really I held lifting? off for a while because I was totally against them. Yeah. This is the, this this is good to talk about because I was totally against them. I was like, this is bull crap. You take that, you're cheating. Blah 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 blah. And none of that gets tested in these competitions, right? Uh, depends. Okay. Some okay. do, some okay. do. Powerlifting, not really. Okay. Bodybuilding, they say they do, but there's ways around it. There's a lot of techniques around it. Um, so was it your friends around the gym that was doing it? That yes. That kind of got you into it? Yes. yes. Now, did you see their results? And yes. You said, oh, shit, here yes. I am. Yes, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's the problem. Like, oh, yeah. I'm busting my ass. This guy's, like, mm-hmm. working out with me, but his weight's going up. You know, his squat keeps going up. His arm's get getting there? bigger. Like, what? You know, so you feel like, damn. So you start taking, like, these vitamins and <laughs> Joe Weider. Animal packs, all crap, you know, crappy vitamin. You, you Synthetic get, shit goes yeah, right through you. Yeah, you take liver pills, you smell like crap in the gym. You know, it's like, what are you taking liver pills? Ah, that was big back Just then. take this needle, man. It, it'll do it all. It was that's, different, yeah. That's what happened. How long until you saw yourself get big? It takes about, typically then, with the, I wasn't taking heavy, heavy dosage of stuff. These days, they're taking a crazy amount of stuff. Uh, I would say, mentally, a week. I felt I was getting stronger, but I, that's impossible. Mm. It's mental. Mm. Isn't that amazing? My strength went up in a week. I remember that. And like, there's no way on God's earth that it's really working. Mentally, it worked. So I'm like, oh. Uh, I would say two and a half to three weeks, you might start feeling a little energy and your body starts recovering and it gets in your system and it starts happening. And uh, How many side effects do you see? Uh, thank God uh, I have not seen any side effects because I, I cycled it. Uh, 12 weeks on, 12 weeks off, and I only did a few. That's what I'm saying. If I kept going, I would have been done more and worse stuff. Okay. So you're kind of in the beginning stages when you when you met Slidini. Yes. And you're going through your cycle period. Yes. Thank steroids. God. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I, so I caught it early. Yes. Yeah. Caught it early. I think that helps. You get so deep into it. You know, some guys take growth hormone. I remember. I remember a guy I worked out with, amazing body, 
I saw him growing right before my eyes with growth hormone. Back when growth hormone was taken from corpses, but they stopped that after the AIDS epidemic. Mm. They make synthetic hormones, uh, a growth hormone now. But I would drive him to a, two towns over for $100 a pop. He'd take these growth hormone injections. And I literally saw this guy grow in front of me like unbelievable. It was like the f- most freakiest thing you ever see in your life. Mm. I've never seen anything like it. But he's not, you know, it's not healthy either. Mm. This stuff is not good. It's not worth it. Yeah. Now that I'm 53, I'm like, you know what? I don't regret what I did. I have joint issues, back problems. Not bad, but I, it could have been better. You Enough know? for you to think about what you did back in the day. Yeah. 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 I'm glad I stopped what I did, though. No doubt about it, man. If you kept going, who knows what the hell would happen? No. Right? Yeah. For it would have sure. been. It would have been. Who knows what? And it's not worth it. You know, no. uh, the older I get, the older we get, for me, working out is therapeutic. Yes. It's great for the mind. Now I do it for that reason. You know? Exactly. It's yeah. a stress relief. You know, you're exerting, blood pumping, good for your heart. Definitely physically good for you. Yeah. Because modern day, we don't work like we used to. We're office. We're sitting in offices. Your body needs to exert it. It's a machine. It yep. likes to exert, sweat. So definitely, I think definitely now is the reason why I train is for uh, the health purposes yeah. only now. Nick Cage seems like a kind of an eccentric guy. How was he? <laughs> Sweet guy. He lived, when I went to his house, it was in uh, Bel Air. Um, I remember they had to put special pockets in his jacket, not to reveal any secrets, but um, I remember that his tailor came to my house in Burbank and dropped off his freaking jacket at my house. How sick was that? It was like a velvet green jacket, and I'm like, this is Nick Cage's jacket. I like, <laughs> should have framed that thing and not returned it. I know. That's what I was thinking. Like, how do I get this? How do I keep this jacket? Yeah. You know, it was cool. Then I ended up going to his house in, in Bel Air. It was the old Dick Van Dyke's house, beautiful brick house. And we walk in, and uh, the first thing I see is the robot from Lost in Space, the original robot from the original TV show. Yeah. I'm like, hello. That's the first thing I see. Pretty amazing. Yeah. I grew up watching the show, and here is the thing, right? He said, oh, come on in. You know, he's a little disheveled. He's like, you know, he's like, like he is, you know. Mm-hmm. Come on in. Let's go into, this, you know, to the, into the theater area. And then he's got like a little theater projection room area. And it's beautiful velvet seats. You know, nice house. Sure. Beautiful house. And we go in there. And he's like, okay, okay. He's like, you know, he wants to learn it. And he's like, you know. And he's like really like watching. Like, you know, everything I'm doing, Intense. his eyes are on me. Yeah, focused. Like, focused. Laser focus. And I'm teaching him. And he's learning it. Like, quick. Bang. I show him. Boom. Makes two birds appear barehanded. You'll see it in the in the if you watch the movie. The movie next. Next, yeah. yeah. And he makes these two birds appear in his hand. He did a great job with it. And then another thing with cards and a quick thing with the thing. But the the birds were the hardest. But he picked it up, man. He loved it. At the and the shoot, he's like, oh, when we get into the magic, when we get into the magic, you know. Kept talking about it all day, and they kept it to the end because they're afraid of the animals. They think, you know, animals. Oh my God, they're gonna get lost. They're gonna screw everything up. Sure. Let's do it last. So I'm there all night. I think at midnight we're start shooting a scene at midnight. He nailed it. Nice. Two takes. We're done. Director's like, oh, that was easy. I'm like, that's what I tried. Don't you to... know who I am? Right, I'm right. Tony <laughs> Clark, man. <laughs> well, that's the key. That's what they remember. No doubt. Because that's the thing. If you save them time, you know how much money you save them? Big time. Oh, my God. There's Big 50, time. 60, 70 people on a set with location charges and overtime. If you can get them out of there on time, that's what I try to sell them. Is like, hey, I'm here to save you time. I'm saving you. You're paying me some money, but I'm going to save you 10 times that. By just doing the work that I do. No doubt. Yeah. That's, that's what I can you're, offer. You're teaching them something that they aren't familiar with. Right. So it's hard to oh. do that to somebody who has no idea what they're doing. And no. if you can do that in two takes, man, that's, I know. that's freaking impressive. Yeah. Yeah. He was worried originally, I read in your book, that the the birds are going to be harmed or 
right? Prior. He's like, hey. So no, he was very concerned about yeah. it. A very sweet guy. You know, we wanted to make sure the birds are fine because we had to make them fly away. Yeah. The scene, you know, after he makes a pier. Yeah, he was very concerned. Very sweet guy. I mean, very nice guy. Like I said, the old timers are like really cool. You know, not the, he's not old timer. Yeah. The guy's been around. Like the real good veteran actors. I think you told him you've done the trick like 5,000 times, and he's mm-hmm. like, okay, okay, good. We, we can do it then. Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah. I think I showed him a video or something. Like, <laughs> I've done this like yeah. you know, around the world. You don't have to name names, but any uh, any assholes that you ran into? In Hollywood? In never. Yeah. Mike, I never met an asshole. <laughs> Hollywood? Come on. Um, I would say... At least the percentage. Percentage? I, you know what? I, I have to say I'm very fortunate. I would say out of maybe the 25 or more, I can't, I have to count, I haven't ever counted the people I worked with, maybe 30 people, I would say two. Wow. Two or three. That's not bad. Yeah, two That's or three. Not bad. One was a very big name. I'm not saying he wasn't an asshole, but it was hard to work with him because I, I taught him a bunch of stuff. And then we get, like two weeks later, we get, to, and I gave him the props, and hey, keep the props, and, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. okay, okay, all right. Get to the shoot. And by back of my head, I said, you know what? I, I'm going to take doubles of these props just to have them as backups. I get there. No props. He has no idea where they are. He probably didn't even take them home from the rehearsal place. We had an like office space in the production office back where it was. He never showed up with the damn props. I'm like, oh, my God. This guy could give a shit about the magic. He doesn't care. You know, he just cares. You know, it was pretty How big part. How old was he? How old was he? Uh, at that point, uh, I think he's probably early 50s. What are his initials? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Starts with, yeah. No, but yeah. everybody's different, you know, and he, he, he didn't really care about it. I don't think he cared about the project as much. How uh, many guys you showed were girls when you showed up and they were just high off their ass on, on who knows what? Wow. You know what? Interesting. Um, I would have to say one time out of all those times, maybe somebody was a little off mm-hmm. and I can't say why. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any bad situations, tip, thankfully. Mm-hmm. I've been very fortunate in that, Good. you know, because I think that would turn me off tremendously because it's a disrespect to me and the art of magic, you know, because uh, I hold magic very high because of what it's done for me in my life. It's, uh, I keep a, try to keep the standard as high as possible. So what are you doing day-to-day? Day-to-day? Well, I either I have a product line that I work on my uh, my site, uh, TonyClarkMagicStore.com. I sell products that I create and I, I manufacture. Uh, myself, some myself still, foolishly, but it's hard to get them done right, so I do still make some stuff myself. Um, I teach, I have Skype lessons with people, I give workshops, I still consult. Just yesterday I was at uh, someone's house consulting on an illusion that they're working on. Is it I, Now, do you do illusions, or is it mostly... Uh, I did, I did back in the day, had my show in Tahoe, had illusions in that show and everything. You were doing the Tahoe show for four years, two nights, two shows a night, two six shows, days a six week. Th- yeah, it was insane, yeah. Wow, Back in man, the, that is no joke. It was yeah, it was ninth is ninety six to two thousand. I did that. Yeah, it's the wow. longest running show in Tahoe history. Yeah. Four years running straight. Um, and I did illusions in that. Yeah, it's funny as a producing a show, the audience looks make you, we you guys make it seem like it's simple and easy. Yes, but it is intense. That's and the problem with serious, magic. Yes, serious work involved. What you said is the biggest obstacle I have to deal with all the time with everybody I speak to. Because they think it looks easy. And go, wait, let's just make the girl appear. No, no, let's just make the girl float. Like, wait a second. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes to make a person float. I just had a conversation like two weeks ago about a guy who wanted somebody to float. I'm like, 
What you can't do this in the middle of the beach. It matters what you're smoking. I mean, maybe you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want to give the whole audience a little something, you know, sponsored by the cannabis uh, group, whatever. Exactly. Jesus Christ. But you can't. Yeah. That's, the, that's the oxymoron. That's the problem with magic. It looks easy, but like I'm working on something right now. It's only like three, four minutes long, but I'm I'm working on it ten, twenty times a day. Yeah. When they see it, oh, that looks a cute little trick. Right, a lot of stuff what going it took. on. Yeah. That's the ultimate compliment, though. It is to a performer. The it ultimate is. when they're when they make when you make it look easy and they come back and say, "Ah, oh, can't be that hard." Right. That is the ultimate compliment. Yes, it is in a way. But if they're trying to hire you to do it mm-hmm. and they go, "Well, we only have two days," like uh, you can't do it in two days. You have to, right. you know, it's that something right. that detailed. Right. That's the problem. That that Mike what you said is the obstacle I deal with constantly working on these TV shows and movies my brother was doing a show it was a a charity show and after the show I talked to him for a little bit and he's like oh my god ah so I mean that was so much fun you know we raised so much money but man it's, it's such a relief and I'm like Dude, what are you talking about? This is this is easy for you. <laughs> you just get on stage and go to work. And he's like, dude, no, you don't get it, man. This is this is different, you know. I have a friend who uh, is in charge of the Rose Bowl game. Wow, think about that. That's a big production, Tony. It's so crazy. It's easy. So crazy <laughs> that he's doing. He's working every day on it, mm-hmm. right? For one game a year, one game a year. Yeah. Think about it. They work. 12 months out of the year for that nobody, one game. Nobody sees the work. You I know? call it invisible work. Nobody sees the work. And what are we going to do? We're going to we're going to turn on ESPN, we're going to watch the game. The it, ball's going to be there, the right. player's going to show up, they're going to play and right. you're like, oh, that's what how yeah. easy? That's not hard. Sell yeah. some tickets, let people in. Yeah, you show up, eh, little music, whatever. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Cheerleaders. That's the thing. Yeah. Nobody sees it. Nobody. Yeah. So success and failure. Do you believe in failing to succeed? Do you hmm. believe in you have to fail to succeed? And, and and I'm gonna give you a second part. What about what about success without failure? So it's happened where, but would you be less set up for disaster if disaster happens? Oh, right? I see. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I think the failures make you appreciate the success more. I know that for sure. Yeah. Even the small little failures, and they're always happening. And I always said to myself that as long as you learn something, it's not a failure. So as long as you're learning something. It's really not a failure. You know, what really is a failure anyway? I mean, as long as we're living, you know, that's why I feel it now. Uh, we're living our life and breathing, and that's, that's success. You know, everything else is kind of like you know, powdered sugar. I tell my son, I said, you know, everything else other than breathing and living and really living, it's all powdered sugar. You could take it. If it blows away, it blows away. But yeah. I think failure is part of success, I think. Definitely is. Like, you know, all these people that create stuff, there's definitely failures, little failures, you know. But if you don't look at it as a failure, you look at it as a learning experience. Yeah. You know, Edison, how many failures did he have? I don't think he would call failures a thousand times until he made the light bulb work. He, that was a thousand times it didn't work exactly right until he got it right. Yeah. So it's really the way you frame it. Failure could crush people. You know, sometimes it could crush you. Yeah. But one thing, I think now with the generation of having, you know, everything having it quick and wanting it quick, if you don't get it immediately, oh, it's, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. No, no, no. Sometimes you have to massage it and rework it and let it sit for a minute, come back to it. You know, yeah. it's a different speed. You That's can't, it doesn't happen immediately. Everyday society now is that. Yes. Is they need it now, 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 now. It's very challenging. Yeah. I think it's tough. I mean, you know, raising my son, 12 years old, I'm, I, I see that happening. I have to kind of guide him the best I can with, it takes time. That's why people want to learn tricks in two days. 
Exactly. That's right. People, yeah. yep, they, they want to learn it fast. Yep, with, they want to get on Instagram. They want to show this. They want to show that. And that's fine. I think there's a place for all that too. But if you want to be really good and feel good about what you do, that's what I want to do. I want to feel good about what I do. Yeah. I don't really care what other people think anymore. Yeah. I want to. I, I want to feel good about what I'm doing. No doubt. You know, it's not about the money. It's about I'm, I'm enjoying myself. You know, I'm doing a good job. You know, and I, and I said this on the show so many times. But people are probably sick of me talking about it. But I think it's who you're with and who you're around. You got to be around good people. Well, it does help influence you. Yeah. Like I gravitated to people like even in bodybuilding. When I bodybuild, I found the best guy in my gym, an ex uh, Mr. America, and I had him help me train. When I went to powerlifting, I found the power team that was with the real guys training that really trained. Bang, and it and it worked. You know, because you, you're you're influenced by your surroundings. Uh, then with magic, you know, I found the best guy I could find. You know, and, and then the next level, my my next mentor, Bill Andrews, he was from Mervlon, you know, executive, and he retired, and he taught me about how to make it in the business and this and that. So I always gravitated towards people that I could learn from. You know, my mom wasn't educated. She taught me one thing that I, I never forget. She went to second grade because she was in the war in Italy and they, you know, she got uh, injured, her leg was injured in a, a minefield. And so she never went to school, but very smart woman. She says, here's how you do learn in life. If you take something from somebody else with your hands, it's stealing. But if you take it and learn with your eyes, it's a gift. So I took that to heart. I said, oh, as long as I'm learning from somebody, I can learn anything I want from anybody else. So I gravitated to the people I want to learn from, and I would learn from those people. I don't want money from them. I don't want them to give me anything. Just teach me. Yeah. Let me learn. Let me watch you. Absorb, yep. I want to see you doing it, and that's how I learn. No doubt. So that's the greatest gift you can give. And, And learn from their mistakes, too. You do. Yeah. Don't, you know? don't make their mistakes. I talk about that in my book. I list some of the mistakes I made in my life, and uh, I hopefully it'll save people from uh, making those mistakes too. How about any naysayers along the way or doubters? I mean, you, you made it pretty quick, man. 20 well, years old. I mean, Magic Castle, that's kind of a big deal. It didn't feel that way, though. Yeah. Very interesting, you know, because you, when you're working hard, you always want it, you know. Back then, it wasn't as fast as it is now. But I did have guys back east say, why are you going to California? What are you going to do over there? Like, well, I'm going to work. Th- what are you going to do with your act? I said, well, it's a seven minute act. That's all it was. Seven, eight minutes, seven and a half minutes. You can't, you can't make a living doing a seven minute act. I'm like, holy cow. These are the guys I looked up to. Yeah. It's all out of fear. They're talking out of their butt yeah. out of fear. So I was, thankfully I was stubborn as a kid. I'm like, I'll show them. I'm never going to come back. You'll be back. You'll be back. You know, not Good like that. You. They weren't no, saying no. it like that, yeah, yeah, but yeah. they were in in the conversation. Well, you know, you could always come back. Yeah. You, you, you can't make it, you know, because it's hard, and you know, you, you can't really do it with just a seven minute act. Yeah. I'm like, okay, boom. I never came back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I thank them for that. For sure. You know, because that motivated me in, in in a negative way, but it pushed me to stay on track. Yeah. Sometimes you need that too. Yeah. You need some positive and some negative to keep you on track. So. No that was a good tool as well. Have you performed uh, at the Magic Castle since? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I performed there on and off for 30 years. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. Are you there, like, out of the year? How many How many times? I Well, <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> as you get older, Mike, we don't want to work as hard. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot of work there. Three, yeah. show, three shows a night, seven days a week there. It's a lot of shows. I used to work there, too. I two, didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Jesus. yeah. Jesus. If you work in the certain, certain rooms, you work uh, four shows a night. My God. Room. Yeah, it's a lot of room, a lot of uh, a lot of shows. So when I was younger, I worked there three, four times a year. As I got older, I, I, I tapered off. So now, if I work there once a year, 
one week a year. I'm You're good. good. I'm good. Yeah. 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 How about America's Got Talent? Oh, ever and, ever thought of like doing any of that stuff? Well, you know what? The it's so fast and it's not conducive to the style of magic that I would want to do. It's very forced. They actually called me two years ago. They wanted my son and I because we have a we have a YouTube channel, hmm. uh, Magic Machine with Daddy and me, and they saw it. And they go, oh, we would love to have a father and son team. We never had a father and son team do magic. I said, well, we don't do big stuff. They're like, oh, no, no, you could do whatever you want. You know, we don't, it doesn't have to be big. I said, oh, that's cool. But I'm like, always had my, my you know, warning signal on. Because sure. I, I actually consulted with someone uh, the year before that. Uh, and I went to Vegas and we taped. And I know how they work. Very fast. They, give, they care less about you, really. Yeah. All a number. It's all, yep. Yeah. So I sent him a video of a cool uh, goldfish thing I did with my son. They said, well, maybe something a little bigger. I'm like, oh, here we go. Yeah. I said, you know Is what? Is that an audition or? It just a tape. Send okay. it, just sent it to him. Okay. A okay. link, okay. you know, link. Got it. Send him a link. Yeah. Shot at my house, whatever. I had a yeah. little audience just to create a little. And it was a cute trick. And yeah. it was cute. Well, it's a little too, you know, young. I'm like, my son's t- 11, <laughs> 10. Well, I did something that fits him. You know, I don't want to be the puppet yeah. master with my son. So I sense that, uh-oh, I feel that coming, that control. I, I said, you know what? We're not available. No, I'm sorry. I pulled yeah. out. You know why? I, I could go through that, but I don't want to put my son through that. Sure. It, it's very grueling. And I'm like, I'm not going to destroy my son. He's not a machine. He's a kid. If he wanted to do it, but he didn't know about it. He didn't know the the, the, sure. the, the rat race it is. You know. Sure. So I, I pulled out. It's fine. Son st- uh, was doing a little bit of magic? Yeah, he got into it for a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is he into acting or... Oh uh, yeah, yeah, every day he acts. I think. Yeah. <laughs> aren't, aren't we all? Yeah, right. Yeah. No, he um he likes building now. He, he we did it for a while, and one day he comes up to me and he says, "Dad, how can I talk to you?" I said, "Sure, Dad. Go ahead, son." I made him a nice little case of magic, all these tricks we worked on and stuff. A little suitcase, a really cute little suitcase. He goes, "Dad, um, I don't know. I haven't really been doing the magic, and I don't want to make you feel bad." And I I said, "Son, don't do it for me." I said, "It's okay." I said, "I don't want you to do it for me." Nobody ever told me to do magic as a kid. Yeah. I did it myself. Nobody in my family did magic at all. You know, they were immigrant Italians. They worked hard. They had no clue what magic was. I said, you do it if you want. He said, well, uh, I haven't been doing it. I said, okay. Put the case away. It was fine with me. Because you're going to be sad? I said, no. I'm happy mm. you're honest. Yeah, for sure. You know? So yeah. he pulled out, and I'm happy about it. How did you get into magic, by the way? Oh, me? Yeah. Oh, man. I was an introverted kid. I didn't like talking to people, and I was so shy, and I saw magic on TV on a commercials, TV magic cards, which would be a commercial on TV between the cartoons back in the back east. And I saw the magic. Oh my God, I saw all that. And I saw Doug Henning on TV and David Copperfield. And I just got it. I just got fascinated by it. Started going to the library. This is before videos and YouTube. Imagine all I had was library books. Yeah. I'd go and get 10 books at a time. That was the maximum. I'd take them home and I'd <sighs> do magic for my family, make the tricks out of napkins and cups and paper cups and coins and rubber bands and, and, and pencils. And, and, and uh, you know, I, I remember all this stuff I did. It's crazy. And I would do magic for the family. Yay! Whoa. That was cool. I, I, that's cool. I got hooked immediately. Mm-hmm. And I kept doing more and more and more just by watching it on TV and getting into it, hmm. watching Mark Wilson and, and all these other magicians, you know, and they started, I don't know why, I just 
gravitated to it. Mm. It's very strange. Yeah, kind of similar to my brother. He was at seven, as you probably know. He started yep. at seven. Parents got him a magic book. Yep. And that was it. That was the history. A funny little story. He wasn't doing that well in school, in high school. And the principal went up and talked to my parents about it. Hey, you know, I care about your son. I care about you guys. John's education is a big deal. He's not doing very well. Parents said, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to him. We'll come home. We'll talk to him. Came home, talked to John. John, uh, parents are telling him how important education is. And he says, Dad, I got it. Don't worry. You know, I, I got this. I'll take care of it, Mom and Dad, right? So mm-hmm. Dad comes home one night from work, and John's in bed with this science book. And he's reading his science book. He's at it, man. Hmm. Dad looks in. Atta boy. You know, it's my son, you know. <laughs> All right, good night. You know, sleep well. See you in the morning. It's cute. Dad's about to leave. John calls him back in. Dad, I can't go to bed with a, with a lie. What are you talking about? Inside the science book, a magic <laughs> So since my that's dad, John, right? That's, that's perfect. And my dad, after that, was like, eh, yes. can't can't stop this. Right? Can't stop this. Right. This is a passion. This is a love. That's great. Obviously, graduated. And, of course. You know, of course. but but um, but yeah, no, it's it's that's that's something they don't teach in school, is how to find your passion. No doubt. They're just pumping the typical you know stuff that's been going on for the last fifty years that doesn't really make you feel accomplished at anything that is pumping you with numbers and tests, but nobody talks to you about how do you find your passion? Mm-hmm. That never comes no up. No doubt. No doubt. Because on Tuesday, we're going to read chapter four, right. page eight, and right. we're going to we're gonna go through all the way to chapter five. Right. And learn about this and this country and learn about the politics. But, but nobody talks about what do you like? Telling you. Yeah. Or how, you how about like? teaching you a little bit about life? Yes. Right? Yes. I, there's none of that either. No. Yeah. Very little. There's, some schools are like that. Uh, my son's at school right now. Good. Uh, One Spark, and uh, it's a learning center. And they, they, they're out of the box thinking. Good. Very hands-on, uh, very project-driven. Um, and to me, that's so important. For sure. The kid's mind is so uh, fresh and, and new. And it's like, don't don't put the heavy burden on it of all that stuff that doesn't really help you in life, you know? Instill the good stuff in that brain. Yes. Yeah, and get it going. So important. Yeah. Yeah. Such a vital age, too. So important. (laughs) It's so important. Yeah. If you don't learn how to imagine and create at that age, when when are you going to learn it? It's true. When you get older and you got all these responsibilities and headaches and you have to work and you have to do this, it's not a good opportunity typically to no create. When you're younger, your mind is, is naturally creating stuff. Yep. So that's the biggest gift that you could give a kid is let them be a kid. That's what I say. Agree. Yoga meditation, put that in your life? Yes, I started doing that. I always liked it, and I, I and I, a friend of mine, Mark, Mark Kornhauser, used to travel with the Maharishi back in the day when they were at the Beatles, and, and, and it was big, and he, he talked about TM and Transcendental Meditation and years ago, and I, 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 I always needed it because I always felt I had a little little bit of anxiety just from performing and business and entertainment world itself. It's kind of a crazy world. So I always felt I needed it, but then about almost two years ago, I started doing it more seriously, and it's definitely helped me quite a bit. Which part, Tony? Yoga and meditation? Both. 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 Yeah. yeah. Are you are you doing one after the other? Or are you doing one in the morning at night? Um, there's different, many different things you can do, and um, some is physical, but it's not the standard yoga you see that you see in a studio that you go to with the hot yoga. It's, it's very different. This yoga is just become unionized with the environment around you and the universe, the energies. That's what it's for. It's meant to you for lining up, lining your body up with the energy around you. You know, I, uh, the guru I listen to is his name is Sadhguru. He's Isha Foundation, and he's got great programs online and videos. They're free everywhere. Hmm. 
Um, on and, YouTube? Yeah, it's, it's everywhere. You've got hundreds and hundreds of videos. And it just he teaches you, it, it says the body is like an antenna. Just get it in the proper form and let the atmosphere and the universal energies come in with you where, they, where they belong. Because we push it out with all this stuff on our heads and our thinking. And this helps you just slow down, anchors you, and it allows you to think clearer. And it, and it really helped me through some anxiety issues that I thought would get less as I got older, but I realized they got worse as I got older. <laughs> so I was like, oh, this is weird. I thought I'd be smarter yeah. when I get older, and yeah. I know how to handle myself better, but it's not true uh, all the time. But this definitely anchored me and helped me hone it into a better place. And I think I'm doing better work now. I'm not worried about what people think as much about me if they're not really my friends. Yep. Then, well, that's the way it is. How long have you been doing it? Almost two years now. Yeah. Yeah, two years. So it's new. I'm still learning. It's great. But it definitely has helped me quite a bit. I made some major changes in my life, uh, you know, just selecting people I want to be around. And like you said, the environment of people. And I just, you know, it, it's different. You know, it's hard to, to pull away stuff that you had for a long time. Yeah. You know, like things you've done or you think things you or a person you thought you were. Yeah. But you realize, well, we're all the same. These are just labels we throw onto each other. If you can strip those away, your brain just thinks clearer. And no it, doubt. It's just be a better person. That's all I care about right now. No doubt. You know? How long uh, or how many days a week are you are you doing yoga and meditation? Every day. Yeah. Every In the day. mornings? Mornings is the best time. Um, now, then, do you do, like, is, is when you wake up, you do a yoga session, then you meditate? or It's it's back to back. Okay. The yoga and meditation goes together. Nice. Ends up being about 45 minutes. Nice. Sometimes if I get up really early, sometimes I usually get up at 5.36. If I get up earlier, I just get up, and then I'll do an hour and a half, whatever. I just do. There's a lot of different guided meditations in his app. He's got an app, which he does, which is great. Really? <laughs> it's really nice, oh, yeah. We, I got down, you got to let me know what this app is. Yeah, it's or great. What, what is the app? Sad Guru, S-A-D-H Guru, G-U-R-A. And that's... Oh, G-U-R-U, sorry. G- guru. G-U-R-U. Yeah, G-U-R-U, Guru. Sad H Guru. And that's in the app store. Yep. If you type that, yep. you can. Yep. And he's got all his oh, stuff. Oh, tons of stuff in no there. No way. But on YouTube, there's so many things. And That's Ram amazing. Das too. Ram Das, I like. You know, he's been around for a long time. You know, I meditate as much as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to do it two to three times a week. Mm-hmm. And when I do it, I'm in a different mind zone Men- of energy. Zone yes, of energy. the yeah. zone. The me- mentally is yes. just different. Yes. And it's funny because you can kind of separate yourself with those who aren't in that zone. Yes. You kind of see the ones who aren't sure. there. Sure. You know, and when you're when you're dealing with that, when you're dealing with others who aren't there, you kind of just laugh it off and just right. let it go. Yes. If you're not in that zone, right. you get into their yes. zone. Yes. You know. That's good. Yeah. That's so good. You se- you separate. You see the separation. Yeah. Yeah. You don't judge. You know. You have to love everybody. You yeah. know. That's what Ram Das is talking about. And I think it solves a lot of issues with everything around you. If you love everybody around you, know that we're all part of the same thing. We're all breathing the same air. We all have to eat and drink water. We're we're not very different. Yeah. You know, we have more, we have less. It doesn't matter. But if you get down to the hardcore part of it, we we're all about the same. We're all from the dirt, you know. And we're yeah. sun powered by the sun. We're all the same. Yeah. You know. No doubt. So stay with that. And we all come out the same. Yep. It's all. It's up to us. That's it's right. up to us. We start and end the same way. Yep, no doubt. Yep. So you meditate. Yes. You do yoga in the mornings, and then you take your cold showers, right? I am going to start taking cold showers, <laughs> Mike. Uh, you've uh, you've got me very intrigued by that. Uh, I've done it by accident, you know, when it was like no hot water, uh, a camping sure. trip or something. But yeah, it does invigorate you. <laughs> the mornings, 
cold showers. Yes. Game changing. Yes. Again. What did you see different? These people are sick of me talking about this. Tell me what you... Your mind turns on times 10. Okay. So... It just ramps it up. Bang. Big time. Okay. Big time. It's like a jump start. Boom. Big time. Okay. And when you're out done telling yourself off, you are fresh. You are feeling good. You're not tired. You're awake. You're ready to go. Ready to go for the world. And I feel like when we're in the shower, we're thinking of things. I feel like the brain really works when we're in the shower. For some reason, I always think of ideas in the shower. Right. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. We put cold water on your hair. And by the way, it's good for your hair, too. It is. put cold water. That's why you have nice hair, Mike. You know. Very nice hair. I'm doing doing my best. (laughs) Rogaine. <laughs> so when you put the cold on you, it yeah. wakes you the hell up, man. Wow. Yeah. All right. Do it. Hey, Tony Robbins does it. He jumps in a cold bath in the yeah. morning, you know, so if you, you know, can't be too wrong if he's doing it too. Yeah. We're slowly getting people there. Yes. I was with a buddy last night and he told me, uh, you know, because of you, I turned the knob a little ah, bit to cold yesterday. Very yeah. sweet. And I said, you got to be, it was like a, it was like a father. It was like my, my son telling me like, the, like he got an A plus on his test That's that he was fun. studying for. And my mouth was, I'm like, come on, man. He's like, yeah, cause I'm like, just, I love it. Yeah. So if it, if you know, you haven't done it before. So right. what you do is put a star on hot yeah. and then slowly go to cold and right. then go to cold and then just, man, just really. So you're totally best. cold. Completely cold. <laughs> oh I start hot, a little bit hot. My body kind of gets accustomed to it, and then boom. Cold. Hey, you're saving energy too, man. That too. You're, you're, you're doing good for the earth too. That too. Saving power. <laughs> routines. I'm big on routines. We end every show with routines. Talk to me about your routines every day. Uh, okay. My main routine, like I said, is uh, uh, yoga and meditation in the morning. That sets the, the pace, sets the mindset, sets the intentions. And then again in the afternoon, if I it's it's uh, if I could do it every ten minutes, I would. Wow, that's because awesome. it, because I think I need it. Yeah. You know, I need yeah. it more now than because yeah, there's so much that I have to work through. Yeah. Um, but for me, the routine is basically reminding myself to enjoy the moment because those moments go by so quick, mm-hmm. and when it's over, it's over. You know, it's like well. Uh, you forget so quick, so enjoy it while you're doing it. And what that does, it allows you to, to pay attention to what you're doing more, which in turn gives you better quality work. Yeah, no doubt. You know, it makes no it everything better by paying attention to it. You know, not thinking about something else while I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, before I was like, oh, I'm going to multitask and do five things at once. I'm like, well, that's like screwing up five things at once. That's what that's doing. <laughs> that's so true, that's yeah. That's what multitasking means. That's so true. So it's, it's really allowing you to focus and really enjoying the process and really putting yourself into it. It's amazing the results you get out of it. Yeah. Much better quality of whatever you're doing. It doesn't have to be work. It's relationships, friendships, whatever. Just really being there, you can't go wrong. How about your breakfast in the morning? Breakfast, I typically like fruit. I started eating like a beautiful fruit bowl and uh, I just John just gave me a great thing with uh, yogurt, Greek yogurt. I'm going to add that in. <laughs> With nuts and honey, so uh, I like eating very light. I eat probably only two meals a day now. Okay, really yeah. on I'll, purpose? Yeah, I eat when I'm hungry. I don't eat out of ha- again paying That's attention good. to the body. Yeah. Oh, it's twelve o'clock. I have to eat lunch. Sure. Like mm, I'm not that hungry. So sometimes at night I'll tell my wife. I say uh, I'm gonna have like a little, like a tiny little salad. Yeah. I don't even make anything. Really? Say, yeah. She's cool with it. She's you know, on, the, on the on on the same uh, nice. idea. So just being in tune. Yeah. To eat. You know, like, or if I'm going to eat somewhere, I'll eat lighter yeah. that day knowing I'm going to go out to eat. So I plan for it. But You working out in the mornings or at night? Uh, typically mornings. So after your yoga yeah. and meditation, you then work out? Yes. 
I only go like three times a week now, though. Okay. Because the, med- the meditation and the yoga, it does exert you a little bit, and um, I don't need that much in the gym anymore. Lifting and cardio? Yes, mostly cardio. Yeah. And machines now, no free weights. I mean, my joints, i got to be careful. My shoulders, my hips, and yeah. all that. So, Perfect. But it's just, I like that invigoration. And I, like Stairmaster, like, oh, man. It's, you know, it's really good. It just, you have to move the body. Yeah. The body's meant to be moved, right? It's it's an energy system. You have to keep the energy system moving. It's a filtration system, right? The blood, the fluids, the water, everything has to filter through your body. So you have to pump it. If you're laying down all the time, it's not pumping anything. No doubt. I want to get all these stuff out of the body and put the new stuff in. Yep, no doubt. That's a good way to do it, man. It's a good way to live. Yes. I can't thank you enough for coming on, Tony. Hey. I really appreciate it. It was a pleasure, and uh, hopefully we'll do it again sometime. I would look forward to that. Thanks, buddy. How great was that story, man? How cool that we can learn and grow from Tony's story, right? He told me the next day how gratifying it was for him to tell that story. Imagine what that makes me feel like. That's why I'm doing this thing. Follow him on all social media platforms, Tony Clark Magic. You know what else makes me feel good? Cold showers. And my buddy telling me he turned the knob a little bit to cold? Are you kidding me? That's a proud father moment right there, man. Follow me on all social media platforms, Miked Up Pod. Until next time, folks, this is Miked Up Pod. No wasted days. Good night, everybody.